Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm excited to recount this story um, to you today. When I was in Bible school, uh, I don't remember what year it was, but back in the kind of early 2000s, maybe it was 2004, um, but uh, Pastor Rodney brought in a minister, a pastor from Nigeria uh, named Daniel Ikachukwu, if I'm pronouncing that properly, but who came and um, uh, taught at the church and, and or preached at the church, ministered at the church, and it was just here for a short time. But you know, it's like one of those uh, stories that you remember. There's people who come through and preach and they do a good job and, and you remember them, and there's people who uh, you really, really remember and their message sticks with you, and this was this was one of those, but he told the story of his life. He was a pastor in South Africa, excuse me, not South Africa, Nigeria, and he had a church and he had a wife. And one night him and his wife got into an argument and it got to a boiling point where she slapped him and uh, he got so angry. Um, uh, he, you know, they went to sleep. He was very offended. Um, and in the morning, she tried to reconcile and say, I'm sorry. And he wouldn't even listen to her. And so the, uh, throughout the whole day, he, he was thinking about what he was going to do to put his wife in her place, basically, when he got back home. And so as the story goes, um, he is driving, and he had an older car. But while he was driving, uh, his his brakes went out on his car, and he was going down a steep hill, and there was like a concrete wall that was there to keep um, the vehicles from going over the side of this hill. And his car uh, crashed into that, and, and he wasn't wearing a seatbelt, and anyway, uh, hit him, hit his chest, hit the steering wheel, um, and a lot of damage. People pulled him out. Ambulance came, <clears throat> and um, they get him to the hospital. The doctor's trying to get him, uh, you know, uh, trying to get treatment and different things, and he's not responding to it. And uh, they call for his wife. His wife is like comes, to, you know, faints basically when she hears the news. Comes down, and they struggle. He wants to be transferred to his hospital where his doctor is eighty kilometers away. And anyway, on the ambulance ride there, he's, he realizes that he's not going to make it. So he starts praying like, like a man who's dying. Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You know, um, anything that I did wrong, please forgive me. And, uh, and then he, um, he, you know, his wife's there. And then he starts giving her a commandment about the church, taking care of the kids. And I'm going to read some of this to you. But um, he starts uh, basically uh, preparing to die, and she's thinking, "No, you're a man of faith. You shouldn't, um, you shouldn't be doing that." Uh, but anyway, he at that moment um, he he passes away, and he says he tells the story that as he passed away, um, at, as she was speaking to him, uh, it says Daniel saw two large angels. They were so large that he later wondered how they fit inside the ambulance. One was as big as the ambulance, and they were completely white, even the pupils of their eyes. Daniel tried to speak to the angels, but one held his finger to his lips, motioning for his silence. The angels lifted him up on either side, and, the, and Daniel realized that they were now two of himself, the, his body lying down below, and, and him, who was perfectly whole. And so when the, angel, when, excuse me, when the ambulance arrived, he was dead. Uh, they sent him to a different medical facility. There was no doctor there. It was like early in the morning. They finally went to um, a thing called Eunice Clinic, a clinic and they found the doctor lists the doctor's name. And so he pronounces him dead. He gives him a death certificate, November 30th, 2001, 11.30 p.m. He's pronounced dead. He's been dead a little while, but he's pronounced dead. Death certificate. So they drove his corpse to his father's house in a nearby village. The family's weeping and, and all that. So anyway, Daniel's father takes them, tells him to take the body to the hospital. 
um, uh, the, the mortuary, rather, the, the hospital mortuary not far away. They arrive around 1 a.m. on Saturday morning. The mortician uh, is there and the family leaves. Um, they, the, that mortuary didn't have any cold storage, so he injects, the doctor injects embalming chemicals into his fingers and into his feet. He, he was prepared to fully embalm his body by cutting in his inner thigh to put a tube in so he could put more embalming fluid. And as he did this, he experienced a shock that pushed him away from the corpse. This did not surprise him as he'd experienced similar forces before and had attributed them to occult powers. He tried to do it again, and the shock uh, somewhat paralyzed his right arm. So he said, he concluded, this guy wasn't a Christian, but he concluded that, um, you know, Daniel was a, uh, Pastor Daniel was part of some secret, (laughs) some, uh, uh, he was in a high end of some secret, powerful secret society. So what he did is he just put his, uh, put the body in the rear of the mortuary where there were other corpses. Um, so 2 a.m. Um, Saturday morning, uh, leaves. Anyway, they, they, they go, um, the, that night, the wife had a dream while she was sleeping. She experienced a dream in which she saw the face of her husband and he was asking her why they had left him in the mortuary. He stated that he was not dead and that she should take him to Onitsha where German evangelist Reinhard Bonnke was preaching. She determined to do so. The family wasn't happy. So he'd been dead for 28 hours at this time when she had the dream. So she finally, the family finally said, okay, she persisted. They purchased a casket and brought funeral clothing to dress his body. Um, rigor mortis had set in by this time. An ambulance was hired. So he's not been in cold storage, right? So he's been in a pretty warm climate in, uh, in Africa. In Africa in November, end of November, beginning of December, it's summer. So it's not like his, his heart was on ice, right? So... Um, uh, they get him dressed, they put him in a casket, they go to take him to this church where um, uh, Evangelist Ranabonki was preaching. And it was an afternoon church dedication service. They ran around 1 p.m. There were uh, guards there, as the story's told, there were guards there uh, who were kind of on high alert because September 11 had just happened and Muslims hate Ranabonki. And so a lot of guards, they thought maybe there was explosives so they wouldn't let the body in. The, the casket in. Finally, someone was alerted, a pastor's son, and they brought him in, and they put him in the basement. <clears throat> they put him in the basement. So um, it says, um, Daniel's body was laid there on two tables pushed together in a Sunday schoolroom. So evangelist Ranabonka doesn't even know this is happening, that there's a dead person in the basement. It's been basically three days at this point that uh, he's been dead, but um, dead person in the basement. Some believers gathered around Daniel's body and prayed while Ronald Bunker, who knew nothing of the dead body in the basement, preached and prayed. Eventually, it was noticed that Daniel's corpse twitched, and then irregular breathing started. By this time, Ronald Bunker had left the premises entirely. The attendant believers began praying fervently, and because his body was stiff and cold, they began massaging his neck, arms, and legs. When those in the sanctuary got word that a dead man below was coming back to life, the basement was soon jammed with people. Suddenly, Daniel sneezed and arose with a jump. It was somewhere between 3.50 and 5.15 on Sunday afternoon. Daniel had died Friday night around 10 p.m. He slowly became fully coherent over the next few hours. And so there was, um, uh, um, <clears throat> there was uh, a little more details here. But then during this, the point that I want to get to with the story is um, uh, what, what Daniel, Pastor Daniel, tells uh, what happened. Um, so he says that... Uh, what happened during that time. 
He said after he was lifted from his body by the two angels, he soon found himself momentarily alone, but was soon joined by a different angel. Daniel stated that if he was confused about something that he saw or experienced, or if he had a question in his mind, the angel immediately gave him the answer. This angel first told him they were going to paradise. There was no time expended in getting anywhere the angel took him. As soon as the angel said they were going, they got there. Daniel stood with the angel and watched a multitude of worshiping people who were dressed in sparkling white garments. He immediately thought they were angels, but the escorting angel told him they were human beings who, while they lived on the earth, served God and had their faith focused on Christ Jesus and lived righteously. These people were all ageless and, and raceless. And then um, it goes down and says, uh, Daniel did notice one man who looked elderly among the multitude, and the thought occurred to him that perhaps that man was God, but the escorting angel immediately corrected him. That man was Father Abraham. Daniel longed to join the worshipers, but the angel told him that they were other things Daniel needed to see. He told Daniel they would go next to they would next go to see Jesus promised to his followers, the mansion he had prepared for those who would uh, find righteous uh, who would he would find righteous on the last day. Immediately they were there. He said there's no earthly way to describe what he saw. The mansion had no apparent end to its height or width. It continually moved, and each room also revolved in some manner. It was made of something that was transparent like glass, and floors appeared to be made of light. He didn't see anybody in the mansion, but heard beautiful singing. Wondering where the music was coming from, he looked, and it was the the flowers that were swaying and singing praise to God. The angel told Daniel, The mansion is ready, but the saints of God are not. Jesus is being delayed because Christians in the church are not ready yet. He said this is scriptural according to 2 Peter 3.12. Next, the angel took Daniel to hell and they stood at the gate. When the angel lifted his hand, now this is a a some of this is a little graphic, so I'm going to read it to you. Lifted his hand and let it fall again. The gate opened and Daniel could immediately hear the awful sounds of people screaming and weeping, but everything in hell was totally black, blackness. There was a bright light Then a bright light shone from the angel, and Daniel could see many groups of people in anguish. He told of several specific groups that went through endless cycles of torment, held captive to the same sins they practiced on earth. One group consisted of people who would eat their own flesh and then vomit it out onto the ground, at which time the vomit would fly back onto their bodies and turn back into flesh that they would eat again. The angel told Daniel these people were those who had eaten human flesh as an occult practice. Those things, these things occur in Africa all the time. Another group who had stolen land from others while on earth endlessly dug rock-hard ground with their bare hands. As I heard Daniel relate this scene, I couldn't help but thinking of how many times scriptures declares that God will repay every person according to his or her deeds, and also promises that everyone will reap precisely what they have sown. I remember that the story Jesus told of Lazarus and the rich man. In the afterlife, their roles were exactly reversed. The rich man longed for a drip of water from Lazarus, just as Lazarus had previously longed for a crumb from the rich man's table. Pastor Daniel also saw the former military dictator of Nigeria. He saw a Christian who had dabbled in occult practices and fallen away from the Lord, and a pastor who had embezzled money from his own church and also lied about it. The former pastor pleaded that he would return the money if Daniel could help him escape hell. Although there were different kinds of torture, all the people of hell in hell writhed in agony under an unseen force that would wrench them repeatedly. All of them were shouting, wailing, and gnashing their teeth. Pastor Daniel told me that if every Christian could see what he saw, there would be no need to preach the gospel, as every Christian would become the gospel. The most surprising thing is what happened next. The escorting angel told Pastor Daniel, If your record is to be called here, you will in no doubt be thrown into hell. 
Pastor Daniel immediately defended himself, saying, I'm a man of God. I serve him with all my heart. But a Bible appeared in the angel's hand, and it was opened to Matthew 5, where Jesus warned that if one calls his brother a fool, he is guilty enough to go into the, into the hell of fire. Matthew 5, 21 and 22. Pastor Daniel knew he was guilty for the angry words he had spoken to his wife. The angel also reminded him that Jesus promised that God will not forgive our sins if we do not forgive others, because we will reap what we have sown. Only those who are merciful will obtain mercy. The angel told Daniel that the prayers he prayed as he was dying in the hospital were of no effect because he refused to forgive his wife even when she attempted to reconcile on the morning of his fatal accident. Pastor Daniel wept at this revelation, but the old angel told him not to cry because God was going to send him back to earth to grant the rich man's request. Luke 16 to verse 27 to 30. A man would come back from the dead and warn people of hell. The angel said that Daniel's resurrection would serve as a sign and be the last warning for this generation. Finally, Pastor Daniel was led to the top of a mountain at which there was a large hole full of darkness. The escorting angel handed Daniel to a man standing there whom he did not recognize at first, but soon realized it was German evangelist Reinhard Bonke. The angel told Daniel that the man would help him spread the gospel of salvation. Both Daniel and Reverend Bonke fell into the hole, and that is when Pastor Daniel jumped up from the table where he lay at the Grace of God mission. He was back in his body after having been dead for at least 42 hours, almost two full days. He recounts that even after his resurrection, people would have to hold their nose around him because the embalming fluid for two weeks, the embalming fluid, they could smell it coming out of his body. As you may imagine, Pastor Daniel greatly emphasizes in his preaching the need to forgive those who have wronged us, lest anyone suffer the same fate he almost suffered. How important it is that we obey Jesus' commandment regarding forgiveness and walking in love toward each other, as well as all the rest of his commandments. It is indeed time for the church to repent and pursue peace with all men and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Do not listen to false teachers who say that holiness is not essential to ultimate gain, ultimately gain eternal life. Jesus warned that only those who do the will of his Father will enter the kingdom of heaven. Do not listen to teachers who say that if you are once saved, you are guaranteed that you will always be saved. Jesus warned his closest disciples of the possibility of their not being ready when he returned, when he returned and being cast into hell. If we expect God to forgive us, we must forgive others. This is what Jesus solemnly promised. Are you ready to stand before Jesus, sincere and blameless? I remember when Pastor Daniel came and shared, it was like this this altar call that basically the whole church answered. You know, there's no room. I know there's like standards of Christianity and the way we hear people preach, but when you read the Bible and it says, if you call a brother in Christ a fool, that you're in danger of going to hell. God hates discord among the brethren. So it doesn't matter if someone's, you know, teach, preaches the wrong thing, preaches against the Holy Spirit, does things they shouldn't do. You, you, as much as within your power, live at peace with all men. You pray for them. If someone's doing something they shouldn't do, you pray for them. You don't mock them behind their back. And, you know, this is something that we all have to look at ourselves and say, is there unforgiveness in my heart? Is, is there time where I've, where I've mocked or made fun of another Christian, where I've mocked a minister, where I've made fun of something that I don't like? And it's time to repent and, and decide I'll never do that again. I'm going to live a holy life. I'm going to watch what I do with my mouth because my mouth represents what's in my heart. So if you need to, at the end of this podcast, pray and ask God for forgiveness and forgive people. Please, please forgive people. It's time now to walk clear, clear and free from these things that hold us back. God bless you. I love you.